0: So on Friday night at 11 p.m., I finally started to sketch out our sermon for this week. I usually try to have it done by Tuesday morning, but because of the week that I had, every single second was just crammed full of stuff this week, and I never sat down to do the work of writing the sermon. And honestly, by Friday night at 11 o'clock, I was empty And exhausted and depleted. I tucked my kids into bed one night this week. I'd had stuff all week and I had no earthly idea what we were going to talk about this morning. I literally sat there for a couple hours and just tried to figure out where we were going to go and I was praying and connecting to God and something just said, just pick up your Bible and start reading it. So I did. I thought that the best place to start would be the place that our story starts. God's story. So I opened it up and I started reading Genesis chapter 1. When God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was without shape or form. It was dark over the deep sea, and God's wind swept over the waters. God said, let there be light, and so light appeared. God saw how good the light was. God separated the night from the darkness. God named the day the light day and the darkness night, and I just kept reading, and I was overcome by this, y'all. I was just absolutely overcome. I don't know what kind of week you had. I don't know how you come this morning, but I want you to hear this loud and clear. When things were without shape or void, when there was nothing but darkness and chaos, when things made no sense and the world was empty, God swept in and created new life. That's how our story starts. That's how the whole story starts. Empty, dark, void, chaotic nothingness, and God swept in and created new life. And even right now, I'm getting chills. It was like God's water swept over me when I read it. I needed to be reminded of the beginning, that God swept in in darkness and emptiness and chaos with refreshing and new life. And I kept reading and I was literally like experiencing joy for the first time really all week. I read about God creating light and night. And for a second, I looked out the window in my kitchen and I saw darkness. And even that, the rhythm of night and day, light and darkness, God did that. And for me, it was like, yes, like, yes, God did that. And then I realized that when the sun came up, In the morning, that beautiful Carolina blue sky that would remind us of victory was going to be there in the morning, and I got even more excited. Go Tar Heels. (laughs) It was a a good night last night. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, (laughs) But God created that Carolina blue sky, and he put water on the earth, and then God created plants and trees, pomegranates and oranges, olives and almonds. So many good things. God created that when there was nothing here. Nothing. And then God created animals. God dreamed up of seahorses and porcupines and alligators and orangutans and manatees and humpback whales and cows and chickens and Scooby-Doo's because my dog has his own category. God created all of those things when there was nothing And then on the sixth day, God got this really, really neat idea, and God created humankind in God's own creative image. Listen, listen to this. This is what I read. Then God said, Let us make humanity in our image, to resemble us, so that they may take charge of the fish of the sea the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and all the crawling things on earth. God created humanity in God's own image. In the divine image, God created them, male and female. God created them. Everything else was created from God's own creative and beautiful mind, but us humans, we were created different. We were created in God's very own image, which means that we were created to dream up crazy, wild, amazing things and to create them too. God made us different. And I got to this point in sketching out the sermon, and it was like midnight because I was dreaming about pomegranates and porcupines. But, but I also just, I wanted to stop right there because I knew what the rest of the story said. But at this moment, I just wanted to stop. I wanted to be like, everybody, just stop. If we can stay right here, things are really, really good. But pretty soon, what this story tells us is that humans forget why we were created. We forgot that we were created to dream with God and to create with God. And immediately we take matters into our own hands and we forget that we were created to create and we start destroying It doesn't take me very long to forget that we serve such a big and creative and awesome God. It doesn't take very long for me to forget that, even if I start there in the morning. So honestly, I get it. I get why these folks in the early, in the very first days, didn't didn't get it. But at this point in the story, I just want to say things are really good. Don't mess this up. Don't mess this up. But fairly quickly, humans begin to engage and embrace evil. They start to hurt each other. They forget that other people were also made in God's image. We forget that we were made to create with God. And I can summarize what happens in the the next few pages of our story, of this story. Famine, family conflict, slavery, corrupt governments, cheating... Affairs, infertility, betrayal, grief, death, loss, people's mistakes, and sin, and life in general starts to wear people out, and they forget that they were made to create. They're just going around destroying everything and hurting each other and hurting God. They're destroying all the things that God Created. That's where this story heads really quick. And page after page after page, God still sweeps in and tries God's best to create new life when we start hurting each other and going back, craving this darkness, this emptiness, this nothingness. And finally, God looks at the world one day and God once again sees darkness and chaos and nothingness. And God gets another really right idea. God gets this idea to sweep in again with new life and God comes to us in the form of Jesus. God takes on human form and comes to live with us, to offer new life in the, right beside us in the midst of our darkness and our chaos and our nothingness and our emptiness. Again, people are feeling empty and exhausted and depleted and nothing. They're feeling void Life around them is chaotic and dark and people just feel like they're spinning their wheels and God sweeps into the world in the form of Jesus to offer new life again. And when God comes to earth as Jesus, we begin to recognize something about who God is Right, That God doesn't just look at the nothingness, the darkness, the void, the chaos, and come in with some idea for new life. God has a vision of this new life, of a new day. Right, God has this vision from the very beginning. And the way to realize that is to send Jesus here to live it among us, to teach us about that dream, to live that dream. And that's what we're going to talk about over the next few Sundays. The vision that God has for our journey, for the whole big cosmic world journey, right? God cares about this whole big cosmic world. God cared about it. And God cares deeply about you. And God created you in God's image. And God has a special journey for you. And it intersects with this big journey, this big dream that God has for the whole world. And on Easter, we're going to come here and we're going to celebrate that the, the realization of God's dream resurrecting from the dead this earth-shattering, earth-changing dream on Easter. I hope you'll come and I hope you'll bring all your friends with you because we're going to celebrate big. But to prepare for that, we're going to have to journey with Jesus. We're going to have to find out some about how he lived this dream, how he taught this dream, and how he spent time with people. So I really encourage you over the next few weeks, try not to miss a single Sunday so you can really start to journey with us. Bring some other people along to join this journey with us because it is both earth-shattering and cosmic and it will make a difference in your life because God cares about the big and God cares about the small. Jesus came to us humans who had forgotten to dream and create so that we may begin to dream and create again. If your life is feeling dark and void and chaotic, God sweeps new life into us through Jesus Christ. So pay close attention to what it is that Jesus is offering us today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter five. We're gonna read verses one through 11 and figure out a a stop that Jesus made on this journey. There was a boat. um, That's what we're gonna talk about, him getting on a boat with a guy named Simon. So listen in. One day, Jesus was standing beside I'm actually going to read it from the screen because I can see it better. It's bigger, um, and I'm getting old. Um, One day, Jesus was standing beside Lake Gennesaret when the crowd pressed in around him to hear God's word. Jesus saw two boats sitting by the lake. The fishermen had gone ashore, and they were washing their nets. Jesus boarded one of the boats, the one that belonged to Simon, and he asked him to row out a little distance from the shore. Jesus sat down and he taught the crowds from the boat. And when he finished speaking to the crowds, he said to Simon, Row out farther into the deep water and drop your nets for a catch. Simon replied, Master, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing. But because you say so, I'll drop the nets. So they dropped the nets and their catch was so huge that their nets were splitting. They signaled for their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They filled both boats so full that they were about to sink. And when Simon Peter saw the catch, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Leave me, Lord, for I'm a sinner. Peter and those with him were overcome with amazement because of the number of fish that they had caught. James and John's ebony sons were Simon's partners and they were amazed too. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, I'm gonna make you a fisherman of people. I want you to notice that Jesus didn't show up at a specific location at a specific time. Jesus went to where the crowds were living their lives and they saw him there and they wanted to hear his teaching. Jesus met people exactly where they are. In the exact same way that God came to earth to sweep new life over it, Jesus came to the people right on the dusty streets that they were walking on and Jesus met them there. Jesus swept into the lives of people right where they were. This is what happens when Jesus journeys through life. So, on your journey, I think one of our first questions from our scripture reading this morning is, "Where is Jesus showing up in your life? Where is Jesus beside you on a dusty road in the middle of what you're doing? Have you opened your eyes and your ears and your life to what Jesus, for the ways Jesus may be breaking in to your life, for the ways that God may be trying to sweep new life into those cracks and crevices?" And as Christ followers, what are we doing to show up in the lives of people just like Jesus, dreaming and creating ways for people who are experiencing darkness and void and chaos to experience God at work in their lives? People who follow Jesus get right in there, roll their sleeves up, and journey right alongside people. And in a story where it's easy to focus on Simon, before Jesus sees Simon, he watches other fishermen walk on shore, and start cleaning their nets. I never caught that before I read it this week. We don't know because we we the only words we have are the short are the words that that you have no we have now we don't exactly know what this scene looked like because this is all that all the words that we have but I imagine that Jesus recognized these guys get off the boat have you seen somebody empty lately you know what they walk around looking like maybe some of you walked in the door this morning feeling kind of empty and worn out and exhausted and Jesus saw them and Jesus. Recognized their emptiness and that with all the crowds gathering around him to spend time with him, what did he do? He went to Simon, whose nets were empty. He went to the person who was experiencing the most Emptiness, and he got on his boat. It would be just, y'all. This is a little weird. I'll be honest. That's kind of the equivalent today of you sitting at a stoplight, empty and tired and frustrated because school's going terrible, work's going terrible, parenting's going terrible. Life is empty and exhausting and terrible. And Jesus taps on your window and is like, "Hey, mind if I sit in the passenger seat?" That's weird, right? Like you, you should say no if someone does that. Um, I'm just telling you, that's that's weird but Simon's like, what do I have to lose? Come on, buddy. And Jesus starts to teach the crowds from the boat. He starts to tell them, uh, teach these crowds stuff. And then when Jesus finishes teaching them, he looks at Simon because he still cares about Simon and Simon's emptiness. And he says, Hey, Simon, will you, will you push out a little farther into the deep water? And by this time, Simon's like, listen, you already bossed me around and told me to take my boat a little bit further off so you could teach these crowds. And now you're asking me to take my boat into the deep water? Are you kidding me? And so, what, what we have recorded is, is Simon saying, Master, uh, hold on just a second, it's going to take. Master, we're, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing. But because you say so, I'll drop my nets. And so maybe that's how he said it. Like, because you say so, maybe I'll drop my nets. But if Simon's anything like me, he's like, listen here, you bossy pants. What are you telling me to go out farther into the deep water? I did that all night long, and I came back empty. I'm tired, and I'm exhausted, and I'm depleted. But because you say so, Jesus, I'll go out there a little farther and drop my nets. So let me tell you something. When Jesus when God sweeps in new life through Jesus, it might be a little weird and you might even see it a little begrudgingly. You may, you may be like, Ugh, I'm not sure about this, God. God will say to you, go a little deeper. Go a little deeper and spend your Wednesday morning leading a women's Bible study, even though you've never done that before. Go just a little deeper. God may say, open your home up to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for people in our community who are hungry. And you may say, my floors aren't clean. And once I do clean them, I don't want peanut butter and jelly on them. But God may say, go a little deeper. You may be feeling this inkling, this crazy inkling to help the next generation know about God's crazy dreams and get fired up and inspired to to help them create those dreams right alongside God. And so you may say, God may say go just a little deeper and take one Sunday every two months and volunteer with Horizon Kids Ministry. People in our church have said yes to that. Do you hear what Simon did? He rode just a little bit deeper out into the water. God may say at 8 o'clock on the Sunday morning after you've sprung forward, that is the worst idea in the history of the planet. (laughs) It is not helpful for church planners either, let me just tell you. Um, And and God may say, I want you to show up at 8 o'clock on Sunday morning and turn an auditorium into a sanctuary where people may encounter God for the first time ever. Go just a little deeper. And God isn't trying to annoy you. God is reminding you what you were created for. To dream God-sized dreams and to create them. We were made in the image of a God who dreamed and created. That's what we were created for. So let's look just a little bit more at Simon responding to Jesus. He names immediately that there is emptiness. That he has worked hard all day and all night and his, his nets are empty. He admits to Jesus, this is empty and he puts his nets down, and Jesus doesn't say a word. Jesus doesn't respond to him when he says all this about emptiness. But he puts his nets down, his net down, and then there were so many fish that the boat started to sink. And Jesus still didn't say a single word. He could have said, Simon, you can keep doing things the way you want to, but it uh, looks like when you do them my way, <laughs> your nets aren't so empty. You know? Maybe... Your nets will maybe you can keep doing things the way you're doing them. Maybe your nets will have a few fish in them, but you're still going to come home empty and longing for something more. Your heart and your soul may be empty, even if your fish, even if your nets have a few fish in them. But Jesus didn't say that. It's not what Jesus said to Simon, because he didn't have to say anything. God swept in with new life, and Simon knew it. He saw it. He caught a glimpse of it. His heart and his body and his soul recognized it. Deep in his soul, he knew God was ushering in new life, and he fell at the feet of Jesus, and he said, Get away from me, Lord. I am a sinner. I am not worthy to dream and to create with you. And Jesus says, Simon, what what so many of us need to hear What's said over and over and over again in the Bible, Jesus looks at Simon and says, Do not be afraid. Do not let fear take your ability to dream and create. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And what Jesus was saying is it it may be easy for you to get up in the morning and keep doing things the way that you've been doing them day in and day out. You can get up and keep doing that exact same routine. Pick up your nets, go catch a few fish, come home, wash your nets, and keep going day after day after day. But you're still going to be empty, Simon. But if you keep doing it that way, at least you know what to expect. You have no reason to be afraid. You have no reason to be brave or strong or courageous. Just keep doing that, Simon. But to me, that sounds pretty dark and chaotic and empty. So why don't you follow me, Simon? Journey with me, Simon, and your purposes will be deeper and more meaningful. Can you come with me, Simon? And this week, I was reminded of when I was in graduate school. I had to work about 10 hours a week in an established church in Nashville. It was a church that was about 50 or 60 years old. Before that, I worked at a church that was hundreds of years old. Before that, I worked at a church that was hundreds of years old as a youth intern. Before that, I grew up in a church that was hundreds of years old. I knew what to do. I knew what to expect in church life. I was fine doing that. I knew God had called me to ministry, despite what other people maybe tried to tell me. I knew that's what God had called me to do, and I was comfortable doing it in an established church. But I told Chris one day when I got home from divinity school, from classes at graduate school, I said, I feel like God might be calling me to go just a little deeper. And Chris said, I think God's calling me too. I think God is calling me to do something a little deeper too. And we shared a story about how our hearts may be longing to start new churches, to do something new and different, to, to reach new people, to engage them in a new faith community. And and we prayed about it for a little bit. And this is how I didn't expect God to answer my prayer. As part of the scholarship that I earned to go to school for that three years, I got a stipend and a full tuition scholarship. And in order to keep that scholarship, I had to participate in an internship program in Memphis, Tennessee. I lived in Nashville. Memphis was three hours from my dogs, my chickens, and my husband. And I was not excited about doing that. But I said yes. And this program didn't place me in the 100-year-old churches like it did with the other five people I was in the program with. I was placed in a church, a brand-new church that had been chartered six months before I got there that met inside the women's prison. It was made up completely of women who were incarcerated except me, the pastoral intern, and the pastor. And I got there. And we set up a classroom that they used all week to help folks as they were preparing to to re-enter into society. We set up a classroom and we turned it into a chapel every week. It was a concrete wall. There were no windows, a plain floor, plain old chairs. And I went every single day. We did Bible studies there. We did worship once a week there. And I was like, this is the more that I've been praying for, God? Like, this is the new church you want me to participate in? And my first day on the job, when I walked in there, I met a woman named Dahl, And... Doll had been in prison longer than I had been alive. That was one of the first things that she told me when she saw me. I've been in prison longer than you've been alive. And I thought it might be funny because I was really nervous to say, does that make you an old church lady here? And that she responded to tell me she'd been on America's Most Wanted twice. And I was like, I should not have said that <laughs> to you. So I kept my jokes at bay for the rest of the day. <laughs> Decided that was not the place to say them. Um, but Doll, over the, she appreciated that. Later she tells me that that's when she knew, um, She could trust me and respect me, but she began to build a trust and respect with me over the next couple of weeks. And when when I got in with Dahl, I began to be accepted and respected and empowered by the other women who were a part of that church. And pretty soon they asked me if I would preach a sermon, if I would share the message during worship. Serving at Grace Place was challenging for me. it required me to go into some deeper water to do a little more than I was comfortable with. Even when I was tired and exhausted because it was, it was long hours, it required just a little bit more of me. But I got there early, and some of the women left their rooms early. We set up worship that day, and I we went through worship, and I shared the message that morning. It was a little different than any place I'd ever shared a message before because there were armed guards in the room. They had to be there whenever there was a meeting. So there was two of them standing in the corner watching everything we did. It was weird to preach a sermon while there were armed officers um, looking at you. But but I shared the message that day and I got to the end just like I do here most Sundays. I was going to end the message with a prayer. And so I'm literally saying the words, will you pray with me? And Doll stands up in the middle the of the folks gathered there and she says stop like really sternly and I was like I like I still have I was like I stopped y'all I felt like my hair stand up on the back of my neck I had no idea what she was going to say or what was going to happen again and she said it again stop and the guards in the corner of the room start to move towards us because they have no idea what's about to happen what is she going to say And Dahl said, this girl is called to share this message with people out there who we can't get to. There are a bunch of people in that outside world that are locked up and have no idea they're locked up because they don't have bars in front of them. And this girl needs to be sharing this message beyond this place. So y'all get up and let's pray for her. And Dahl got up and put her hand on my back. And she began to pray that God would use me (laughs) to start new churches. It wasn't even my dream, y'all. It was Dahl's dream that people would experience freedom no matter where they were. She knew because she had encountered God that she was created to dream God-sized dreams and to roll up her sleeves and figure out every way she could to create them right alongside the people who God had put in her path. It made no sense to me, y'all. It is dark and chaotic and empty and monotonous in a prison. They do the same thing day after day after day inside these cinder block walls. But I can promise you, if God's Spirit can break into cinder block walls and barbed wire fences, God can break into the emptiness and nothingness and void and darkness that you are feeling in your life. God is ready to sweep new life into you, that you may dream God-sized dreams and roll up your sleeves and work on creating them. This is the journey God has asked us to be on. God meets us all exactly where we are and sweeps in with new life, and then we start dreaming crazy dreams. Doll dreamed of the outside world, as she called it, experiencing freedom, too. She said, people on the outside are locked up, too. They just ain't like us. They don't see the bars, Simon dreamed crazy dreams with God. He dreamed of a movement where people would follow Jesus and actually make a difference in this world. That we would change the world to look like the world Jesus wants it to look like. And God met Chris and I in the middle of a dark, crazy, chaotic season in our lives. And God asked us, are you tired of being empty? Are you tired of coming home empty? And Chris and I said, yes. And God answered our prayers to become a parent. And then three and a half of us moved to Tampa with this dream to start a new church that would actually change the world, the big cosmic dream that God had. And that would matter to people just like you all sitting in here, that you would recognize that God created you to dream and to create, that you would shine light and ignite change. And there are days where it's been really easy. That's funny. (laughs) They're dreaming God-sized dreams over there and screaming God-sized screams. Oh, boy. Happy Daylight Saving Time, parents. Um, Before we even had a place to... (laughs) Y'all, seriously. (laughs) We moved here so we wouldn't hear that. (laughs) Um, Um, Before Chris and I even had a place to live here in Tampa, I was in the car with our realtor, Katie Glasser. And I told her about our dream to start a new church, and Katie looked at me. I was in the passenger seat of her car. I was not Jesus knocking on the window. I had permission to be in her car, um, and we. I, I told her about this dream to start a new church to shine light and ignite change. And she said, she said, Erica, this this area of Tampa they need this church. She said, and I, I need it too. And we've dreamed and we've prayed for starting a recovery ministry here in our community for people who are hiding behind the bars of addiction. We are dreaming God-sized dreams, and we need people to come alongside us and create them. And Horizon is the kind of place that does this. Our very first official day on the job, July 1st, 2018, Chris took Andrew Smith out to coffee. And he told him about this God-sized dream that we had to start a new church here in Tampa. And Andrew looks across the table at Chris and he says, Tampa needs this and I do too. Tampa needs this and I do too. And he is dreaming about ways that people can experience God's love and witness the creation that God created. Because maybe if we connect back with that creation, we can dream those God-sized dreams and remember that we are created to create And Whitney Brewer, who was also expecting a baby, she was almost the exact same pregnant as I am. I don't know what that is but she was also expecting a baby about the same time I was and she took me out to eat lunch i think because she felt sorry for me because i'd moved here and i didn't have any friends yet and i was pregnant and scared and i told and she'd heard a little inkling about this dream we told her just a little bit about this dream that we had, had and 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 i began to share at lunch with her more of our god-sized dream of starting a new church that would create places for people in our community to shine light and ignite change and Whitney said let's do it Let's do it. And she shows up here early most Sunday mornings, even on daylight savings time. And she shakes people's hands and she greets them and she helps them get coffee and she helps check kids in. Because she believes in the ministry that we're doing here that those kids who are screaming will know that they are capable of dreaming God-sized dreams and creating a new world, a new day that God has. And I met Katie Kale in her living room. And I told her about our dream, our God-sized dream to start a new a new church. And Chris met with her husband, Chris Kale, and told him about our God-sized dream. And they said, "Let's do this." And about three months in, we had no idea how we were going to staff that children's ministry over there that you hear. Um, We had no idea how we were going to have enough volunteers for it. And his mom, Chris Kale's mom, comes on the Sunday that we have no idea how we're going to make it, and she looks at me and she says, "Erica, I think God created me to work in the kids ministry." And I said, yes, God did, and we've been praying for you. Here's your background check. (laughs) And I'll do it for any of y'all, the rest of y'all. If you feel called, just see me right after the service. We will get you checked in because I'm not called to that. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, But let's do this. She said, I want to work with the kids' ministry. I want to help them dream God-sized dreams and us to begin to create them. And, y'all, the stories go on and on and on, and we're not stopping yet because every person in Tampa needs to know that they were created to dream God-sized dreams and for us to roll up our sleeves and start creating that new life in the darkness and the void and the chaos and the crevices. Crevices. If you are feeling empty this morning, if you want someone to pray with you, Chris and I are going to be available in the back. Chris and I will be at the back during communion. You can come pray with us. You can write it on the connection card or on the thing that you checked in for. That's what they're there for. And we look at them. We pray for them every week. But if you're feeling this emptiness and this nudge to do more, if you feel like God's showing up in your life and through Jesus wants to sweep new life over you, you're probably right. And you can get up in the morning and keep doing things the way you've been doing them. But who wants to keep coming home empty? You were created by God to dream God-sized dreams and to create with God. And if you are looking for more this morning, don't leave here without figuring out what the next step looks like for you. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we are thankful. We are thankful that you dreamed dreams you dreamed of us each of us individually being here each of those children that are over there God you dreamed of them before we even knew you dreamed of us and you created us and so God I pray right now for all the ways that we forget that we were created to dream and create God that you'll just take those things aside from our lives and that you will remind us what we were created for And as we take this journey with you over the next few weeks, God, we pray that you will turn our emptiness into new life, that you will use us in mighty ways to shine light and ignite change. Amen.